It's interesting where our paths take us. Long-term listeners of the show know that we've dedicated a fair proportion of the show to depression, to mental health, and to working through and battling our demons, or the black dog, as it is. The black dog reference is an interesting one. There is actual a lot of cases of people when they are in the depths of depression feeling like a black dog is following them around and some of them have actually seen it. My late grandfather being one of them before he slipped off this mortal coil. Depression is one of those things that once you have experienced it, you can't ever unexperience it. You can learn how to deal with it, however the experience will stay with you. I met a black dog brother in this podcast. We'd had this one on the books for quite a while. Pre-COVID, myself and Neil Geddes from what was then the Black Dog Brotherhood, which is now Black Dog Coaching, because the Black Dog Sisterhood is also there now. We were going to get together and have a discussion. And it's quite fascinating how the paths have crossed now. And I made a friend. You'd never know how these things are going to go when you sit down with a guest and you drive to their house. Like I've done that a few times now. And both parties are not sure how it's going to go, whether it be good, bad or ugly. This was very good. We chatted for an hour before the show and about an hour and a half after the show. He's running a promotion at the moment for a free coaching for the month of January. All the links to that will be in the show notes and I'll post to the page and all the, all the other stuff there. It's quite amazing how many topics and how many different things you can cover in an hour and a half in a podcast. I'm not even real sure all the things we spoke about. This is another one of those ones that I look forward to listening back to. We had a bit of a varied discussion about music for this one. And I went with the opening song will be Somewhere I Belong by Linkin Park. And we're going to close with Carpe Diem Baby by Metallica. I think both of those songs encapsulate a lot of the things we talked about. And again, if you are suffering from depression, and I think more of us are than we can even truly understand, reach out. Places like the Black Dog Brotherhood are a really good place to start and to begin to fight your way out of it. You can do it. I've done it. Neil's done it. And he's created an awesome platform to help others achieve it. That's about it for me, guys. I really want you guys to get into this one. Hope all is well. Stay safe. Be kind. Be cool. And we'll talk soon. Cheers.
negativity Cause I can't justify the way everyone is looking at me Nothing to gain, hollow and alone And the fault is my own, and the fault is my own I wanna heal, I wanna feel What I thought was never real I wanna let go of the pain I felt so long Erase all the pain till it's gone Good everyone, welcome back. It's a great pleasure for me to introduce Neil. It's Geddes, is it Geddes? It is Geddes. It is Geddes, mate, from the Black Dog Brotherhood. Welcome, man. How are you doing? I am doing very, very well, my friend. Thanks for having me in your house, man. We had, we we were supposed to do this how long ago now? Month. Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. Yeah. yeah. I went back to the messages. I'm like, oh, when was I? Me and you were talking in February, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. COVID hit. Uh, we're, we're hopefully through that looking glass now. And we finally get a chance to sit down and discuss our relative stories you know i've listened to your podcast you've listened to my podcast which is cool we've got a bit of an understanding about each other and i know where i wanted to start is obviously the black dog brotherhood for those that don't know black dog depression yeah yeah we as men especially and i'm sure you know this better than most majority my own majority of us suffered depression man like as i say the, at the ripe old age of 33 i figured out that i'd probably been suffering depression for 20 years yeah you know, and it's hard to try and find your way out of that. And I think what I love about what you're doing is you're giving men the tools to do that. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Black Dog or... Yeah, know? absolutely. Um, I think men in particular, um, especially in this day and age, you know, I'm a child of the 80s. We grew up mm-hmm. with the stigma that, you know, boys don't cry, you don't show yeah, emotions, harden the fuck, harden up. The fuck up. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and that's having a, a really heavy flow on effect in this day and age. And I think men in particular, we, are, we lack the mental maturity and the, the mental ability to articulate our emotions until we start to get to that point where they, they start to fall apart, which can be, you know, for me, it was my you know, mid thirties, early thirties mm-hmm. where it really mm-hmm. started to get bad, but I'd been suffering for a long time long before time. that, long time. Yeah. but I lacked the mental maturity and the mental ability to actually articulate what the fuck was going on in my head and i think yeah. many many men are exactly the same we are we are i think we we have grown up under a stereotype that does not serve us at all correct don't cry don't face your emotions don't go to the doctor 
harden the fuck up, cunt. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, don't worry about swear words either, by the way. <laughs> um, sometimes shit needs to be fucking emphasised, Neil. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, and I think we, you know, and one of the reasons I started this podcast, Neil, is because I was a, a trainer. I found myself having a lot of conversations with young men and in particular about mental health and about all that sort of stuff. And I was on my own journey with that stuff. And there was no, I couldn't, I'm trying to adhere to a curriculum. Yeah. And I, I thought I'll start the podcast to help people and articulate my thoughts around it. And the other thing is too, man, working FIFO, I know of 21 blokes that basically went to Smoko and then went back to the room and killed themselves, basically. Yep. And I know, I knew a couple of those boys personally. And the reality behind it was, is that if you had said to me, this bloke's going to kill himself tomorrow, I would not have known why or how or what for. And that, as you say, the, the mental fortitude, the vocabulary, that just we have no understanding and how to articulate ourselves. And we hear it from our women all the time. Learn how to communicate better. Learn how to communicate better. <laughs> My missus is going to listen to this and she's going to fucking love you for that. <laughs> that's, that's one of our catch cries. Yeah, exactly. Just fucking communicate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, man, mine too. She dragged me out of the doldrums. I, I talk a thousand times more now than before I met her. You know, yeah, I think. Yeah. Do you find... It's really cool to sit down and talk with you because I've got some questions. Do you find men like purpose like what to actually dig their way out oh dude awesome question i don't think just men i think society as a whole yeah. lacks purpose so mm -hmm. in our program we actually have an entire week dedicated to purpose so mm -hmm. if you go back a couple of thousand years we as human beings from an anthropological standpoint we were designed to be tribal creatures Absolutely. we went right now we're seven and a half billion individuals yes. we've got the means to be more connected than ever before mm -hmm. but we're more disconnected than ever before absolutely Back in tribal times, a tribe was no bigger than 100 to 150 people. Yeah. And every person in that tribe had a purpose that contributed to the survival of that tribe. It didn't matter if you were a hunter, a gatherer, a fucking shaman, mm -hmm. a basket weaver, mm -hmm. whatever the fuck you did, it contributed to the survival of that tribe. Yeah. Then we invented economics. Yes. And now we exist to make money. And in most people's cases, it's to put enough money in the bank to put food on the table. Yes. It's not purpose, it's survival. Survival. And I don't yeah. think that's just men. I think that's society as a whole now. Most people yes. very rarely even find their purpose, mm -hmm. let alone have the balls to align to it. Because for yeah. a lot of people, when they do discover their intrinsic purpose... It can mean a big change in their life. Absolutely. And for you know, for me, I know that for my whole life, I thought that this was my purpose. Being a soldier was my purpose. Being mm -hmm. a soldier was it fucking wasn't my purpose. Mm. And that's why I was so fucking miserable for so long. And yep. it wasn't until I started doing what I do now that I actually understood the concept of aligning to your intrinsic purpose. Yes. And the way that I explain it to you know my clients is, let's say you work a job that you hate, okay, but you mm -hmm. need to do it because it puts food on the table. Mm -hmm. You wake up in the morning and before your feet have hit the floor, what's your first thought? Uh, I don't fuck. fucking don't want to go to fucking uh, work. Fuck. Today, yeah. So before your feet have hit the fucking floor, you're in a negative state of mind. Yes. You rush through your morning fucking routine. You mm. drive to work in traffic, grinding your teeth. You're thinking about shit that hasn't even happened yet. Yep. You get to work and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You have a shit day at work because mm -hmm. it's a toxic work environment. Mm -hmm. You come home, you talk to your missus. What's the first thing you talk about? Fucking work. How shit your day was. Yeah. So from the time you You're wake up... you projecting that onto them straight away. From the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, you exist in a state of negativity. Yeah. The end result is that feels exactly the same as depression. Absolutely. I, it I, is depression. It is. Yeah. I, I actually feel, like my personal opinion is that these skyrocketing rates of depression that you see, mm. 
it's not clinical depression. It's a lack of purpose. Yes. Because if you live without purpose and if you live in a state of toxicity every day, that feels exactly the fucking same. It's exactly the same. As having depression. Yeah. There is no difference between there is, the two. There's no difference. And you're totally right. One of the things I talk to my students a lot about, and I think you'll resonate with this, is uh, is passion projects, right? And you're part of my passion project right now. Wicked. Okay. So, you know, me and my wife sat down and had a discussion. She has her passion projects. I have my passion projects. They sit outside of us. Do we come together at times and, and help each other out and be part of each other's stuff? Yes, we do. However, if you don't have a passion pro, because, you know, unfortunately, to quote Madonna, we're material girls in material world, mate. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, you no, think, you're, you're absolutely right. You think no one cares, stop paying your fucking bills. Right. Yeah. The reality is, <laughs> yeah, it's true. No one cares about me. Stop paying your bills. They'll ring you. That's exactly right. <laughs> you know? I like that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so we, we, we have to exist in that place. Hopefully you can turn your passion project into something that brings uh, money and puts food on your table like you've been dedicating yourself to now. Yep. I'm continuing down this path with, with mine and, and, and trying to help my wife with hers. But between now and then, you've got to do what you've got to do. And what I find is that people don't have passion projects. And what I, because uh, a lot of my students, there's a percentage of my students, are in that target group, 19 to 30 males, basically. Yep. And it's like, okay, before life got you down, before the bills, before the man, right? What did you used to love to do? Boom. Right? Before everything else. Well, I'm too old. Fuck that. You're not too old. Bullshit. Age is just a number. Yeah. Okay? You can choose to do whatever it is you want to do. And when I self-analyzed, um, when I self-analyzed and thought about that for myself first, it's like, okay, I used to love riding bikes, mountain bikes. I, I rode everywhere as a kid, all my BMXing, everything else like that. I started riding a bike. Actually, put in seventeen k's this morning before you know before yep. I got started with my day. And the other thing was, I used to have a tape. I was a I was a radio DJ in the Northern Territory back in the nineties. Did you say a rodeo DJ? A rodeo, no radio. Oh, radio DJ. I was going to say Jesus. That's yeah, yeah, just yeah. like two things. It's, that a, it's, a, it's a very it's a very amalgamated. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I actually radio had DJ. I actually yeah. had the only alternative music show in the Northern Territory uh, in the late nineties. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like heavy metal, that sort of stuff back in the nineties. Was that because there was only two na- uh, two stations? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. It was. It was a small pool. Yeah, yeah. But it, I still did though. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so I thought to myself, well, podcasting is a thing, and sort of after I had my near death experience with the jungle virus, uh, Joe Rogan pretty much saved my mind without a shadow of a doubt. So I thought, fuck it, I'll start a podcast and I ride my bike, and those are the two things that I do for myself that are outside of my family, they're outside of work, they're outside of everything else that I can do around my day that give me that purpose. Yeah, wicked. You know, and I think a lot of people need to think about that. That's a really good tool. And it doesn't fuck... What I think about, you know, you, you watch all these motivational videos and stuff like that. Yes, physical fitness, and I we will talk about that because especially for men, it's very important. However... If in the secret you like to knit doilies, it's fine. <laughs> knit fucking doilies if that's what you want if to do. It makes you happy. If it makes you fucking happy, do that. Yep. It doesn't, you know, should you be physically fit? Yes, I think, you know, s- sitting is the new smoking, you know, in modern <laughs> yeah, society. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. With its, and look, I'm not against, you know, Game of Thrones marathons and buckets of KFC, <laughs> but everything in moderation. You know what I'm saying? Like, Including moderation. Including moderation. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's that, that's that cat. Who's this moderation I'm supposed to be drinking with? You that's know? exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay to let your hair down, but you've got to still look after yourself. Now, I know um, 
Like I try and physically look after myself as best I can. I, I need to eat better. I'm happy to admit that. However, um, I know a good coach if you can. Yeah, I was just say, <laughs> do you know someone? So you focus a lot on physical fitness, but I've I've looked at some of your retreat videos and that sort of stuff. It's not like the the boys you're dealing with are very physically fit to start with. So how do you how do you attack that with those guys? So we have a we have a very diverse range. We've got blokes who are mad gym rats. They've always mm. been into the gym, and then we've got other guys who have just never even who've never yeah. even seen the inside of a gym. Yeah. So maybe, maybe twist yourself. So here we go. There you go. Look at that. There we go. There you go. So the program that we have, we basically start it from scratch. The the very beginning of the physical part of it yeah. is designed for somebody who's never set foot in a gym. Yeah. And everything that we do, because it's an online coaching program, everything that we do, we have links. So I've filmed videos for absolutely everything. And it's not just a 30-second, this is a squat. Yeah. It's the dynamics of a squat, how to do it, what not to do, sure. how to do it safely, et cetera, mm. et cetera. So it, the program from a physical training standpoint is designed for somebody who has never set foot in the gym. Yeah. But that said, somebody who has trained, they can still go back to it. And I can guarantee that they're going to find stuff in Technique. there technique because yeah. we are very very focused because it's online and we're not actually there you know straighten your back here do this there whatever the case may be mm. i've been very pedantic with making sure that the instructional videos break it right down to the nth degree so that yeah, right. even somebody who's never seen the inside of a gym can watch that video on top of that they can set their phone up they can film themselves and they can shoot it to me and go what do i need to do with this yeah what do you what am i easy looking done. at here yeah, yeah, yeah easy yeah. done yep and i think look there's a there's a big part to that because i know myself personally i've got a gym set up at home yep but i train by myself and i'm i'm not really a gym rat i don't i i purposely set my shed up to be a my own personal gym and i train by myself so yep. and i think there's a lot of boys like that where they don't necessarily want to go to the gym and all that sort of stuff and what i say to those guys as well is that you know if i could show you i'll show you a pic of my setup later it's literally cost me 300 bucks. Yep. Bit of patience on Gumtree. Rusty weights weigh the same as fucking new ones. You know what I mean? They've got more character. They've got more character, right? So, you know, I can see why that would be a good thing because I've got my set of exercises. I've got the things that I do, but I guarantee my technique's probably not right because I don't have anyone there watching me yep. and, and seeing what I'm doing right or wrong. I did want to ask you about backs because I know you've had a bad back, yeah? Yeah, mine's wrecked. <laughs> yeah, right, because I've got uh, L4, L5, basically the discs are pretty much non-existent. Yeah. L4, L5, L5S1, and it's just spread to... L5S1, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And Those... it's just, I've got degenerative disc disorder, so basically my discs are like pancakes. My L4, L5, my L5S1 mm. are pretty much non-existent. They're vertebrae yeah. on vertebrae, and then it's actually spread to my, I think it's L3, L4, so it's gone up a level, and it'll continue to do that because it's degenerative, so... Yeah, right. Um, I think they are. There's some pretty cool technology. I know they're putting like suspension bushes in between <laughs> spinal things now. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you need the mo- need the coin to yeah. do that. But um, yeah, yeah. How do you find? Because I it was about I don't know two months ago now, sitting in the studio for an extended period of time, and finally it just I had to go to the doctor. I went and got the MRI. I went and got the scans. Um, is that a lot of squats? Is that a lot of core work? Is that when you? How did you get around that? Or is it all all over? I don't do weights anymore. I can't. So as Body well as my say, if we uh, if we work, say thanks, army. Here we go. I've had a broken neck. I've had two shoulder reconstructions mm-hmm. on my right shoulder. I was due for a shoulder reconstruction on my left, but DVA didn't want to pay for that one because apparently a shoulder reconstruction doesn't marry up with a shoulder injury. Go figure. Oh, right. it, it didn't match up on their flow chart, <laughs> so they said no. I got two crushed discs in my back, no ligaments in my left ankle. So excellent. So I how many years were you in? Fifteen. Really? Yeah. Well, thanks for your service, man. Oh, thank when you, did, man. When did you go in? When did you? 
So I originally joined the Navy in 2002 and I did a couple of years with that before transferring over to the Army. Okay. Um, and then I was a paratrooper for most of my career. Yep. So fucking throwing myself out of planes and smashing into the ground at ridiculous speed. Excellent. So That's got to be good for you. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> good fun at the <laughs> so time. Good. So good. So um, we Afghanistan, Iraq though. I never did Afghanistan, but I did uh, Iraq with the Navy and I did East Timor in 2006 okay. uh, with uh, 3RR, 3rd Battalion, Royal Australian Regiment. Yeah, right. I knew some boys in 5-7 when I was up in Darwin. Yeah, yeah they did a lot of trips, those boys. Yeah, they were yeah. very, very busy. Yeah, yeah. They, they were in Timor quite a lot. I knew yeah, a few yeah. of those boys. Well, look, man, as I say, thanks for your service. And look, that's a got a thousand questions around that so you know and i think what I, what i want the listeners to hear is that i'm you know looking across you're a fit bloke despite all that stuff you can still look after yourself yoga stretching that's yeah. what i do that's yeah. uh, i do two things now i walk my dog or i jog if my back will let me do it yep and i do yoga i do yoga every morning and mm-hmm. it's hands down the best training i've done in my i've been training since i was 18 obviously yeah. and it's uh you know when i realized i couldn't do weights anymore which was only a few months ago because i was trying to push through it and i've always said there's always a way to train around your injuries and i Absolutely, do believe that yeah. but for me it's gotten to a point where the exercise were getting ticked off one by one as i lost a limb and i lost a joint and i lost yeah. a back so yeah. i basically bit the bullet and i was already doing yoga to supplement my weight training mm-hmm. and i'm like well fuck all right, let's just do this the whole time. And over a six-month period of making yoga my full-time training, I've dropped eight kilos. I'm more flexible than I've been in my entire life, and my back has stopped hurting for the first time since fucking forever. Yeah, So right. I'm actually more functional now at 39 years old and more pain-free now at 39 years old than I've been in the previous fucking 15 years. Wow, wow. And it's am- that's amazing. That's amazing. Like, I, I have a very high stretching reg- regime as well. Yep. Do you do any body weight exercises or that's it? Squats, that sort of stuff? It's or? it's hard. I mean, like, I can't do push-ups because of my shoulders. Yeah. I can't. I could do body weight squats, but at the end of the day, it gets boring doing hundreds and hundreds no, no, of body no, no. weight squats. It does my head in. So the options are there, but I really... And there's a lot of variety inside of yoga. Absolutely. There's a lot of different disciplines inside yeah. of it. And I'll tell you what, if you think that yoga's for chicks, I challenge any <laughs> dude... To go do fucking ninety minutes in a hot room hot and, yoga, and just yeah, get yeah, just yeah. get to the end yeah. and then send me a fucking message and tell me that it's for women, mate. Because yeah. I'll tell you what, yeah. I've had to put my ego in check more times than I can fucking count <laughs> doing big ram yoga. Yeah. It's I'm a humbling die. I'm it's, gonna die. I'm it's, gonna see, yeah. <laughs> it's a humbling experience yeah. when you're twenty minutes in and your mind is screaming at you to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've still got like seventy minutes 70 to go. Minutes to go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I found that I mean, you know, I have told boys that before. I remember being on the mine site out at uh, at four hours north of Kalgoorlie, and I would do an hour and a half in the gym, standard stuff, you know, rowing all the shit. Yep, I'd be sweaty, but not real sweaty. And the next day would be a forty-five minute yoga session, and it just it'd be pouring off yeah. me in like just droves. Like it's like, what is going on? And all I'm doing is trying to just keep myself balanced. That's you know? exactly like, right. It's um, it's it. Your body is the best gym you will ever have. Absolutely. Your body, you can take it with you anywhere mm-hmm. and you know, in terms of body weight as well. So even mm-hmm. with our program, we have the gym program, but we also have a, a body, body weight program so yeah. people can choose. Mm. And we put that in place. Originally, we put it in place for people with anxiety because I've got clients who cannot go to the gym. They just cannot yeah, they, go they, to the gym. guys can't do that. Yeah, yeah. So we created it for that. But then when COVID kicked in and nobody could go to the gym, all of a sudden, That's the body spiked. weight program just spiked. So we just incorporated the two and let people choose when they come on. Yeah, right. Look at the, the body weight. Because I used to... Because long story short about me, the listeners have already heard it, but I got a jungle virus in 2013, nearly died. I was 84 kilos, 10% body fat when I got sick. Well, not a lot to give. No, no, no. Well, on the flip side though, because I was so vascularly fit 
that's one of the things that actually made me survive. Yeah, okay. But coming out of that, sleeping 19 hours a day, my then wife that I'd only been married to for a month or two um, tells me that I'd only eat cheesy pasta. So you can imagine, you know, the, the leftovers are just <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, one yeah, you can yeah. see where they are. And basically came out of that sickness, complete uh, atrophy and everything. But not just the big muscles, man. I mean, think about the little ones, the control muscles, the yeah. stabilizers, all that stuff. Everything was in atrophy. Tendons and ligaments atrophy as well. Absolutely. People forget that. Yeah. Nine, I was sleeping uh, 19 hours a day some days, man. As Jesus. Well, actually, you can relate to this. It's called breakbone fever. Imagine every injury you've ever had coming back at the same time. Yeah. Fuck wow. that. Wow. Fuck yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I, I just went through yeah. my, my mental repodex yeah. of my military career and I just yeah. thought of like everything coming back and it was, uh, I just gagged a little. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I haven't done what you've done, but I've broken every finger. I've got two bad knees, but destroyed shoulder. Like, Good. And it all came back at the same time. <laughs> And, but anyway, coming out of that, uh, I was over a hundred kilos basically. Yeah. Okay. And I had to start again. And not a good hundred kilos Not a good hundred kilos. Yeah, yeah. And I had to start again. Uh, and I know you love the ice baths and stuff. Love it. Wim Hof, man. Right. I went and saw Wim Hof down at the Gold Coast. What an unbelievable experience. And that was the, basically I couldn't shift the weight and I couldn't rebuild the muscle. And it was the last, whatever vestiges of the virus was breathing exercises with Wim Hof himself yep, and ice bars that got rid of the rest of it. And basically after that, when I started, that's what I tell all these guys, I started on a mini Mouse fucking blanket <laughs> in my land room, five sit-ups, five push-ups on my knees, maybe. Just got to get started. That's how it starts. Maybe. And like three squats. That's where I started and just kept day after day after day. When I started riding my bike again, 5Ks, I'd be dead. Yep. I did 17 this morning and I, I was on, that was a time restriction that was nothing to do with not being able to go. Yeah, yeah. That's wicked. You know, and, I, and I, one of the things I say, and you, you probably like this as well, is like, you heard, heard of the Spartans? I love the Spartans. All right, up. There I was going to say, there we go. Well, there you go, go right? for, those, for, those not, uh, for those playing along at home, just uh, showing some Spartan ink. Yeah, they didn't have a fitness fucking first membership. They didn't need a fitness first membership, no. dude. <laughs> but their training regime is based on body weight. It's based on stretching. It's based on using sticks. It's based on, you know, like that yeah. is how those boys used to train. And they were the fiercest fucking warriors in the Mediterranean for God knows how long. You didn't hear anybody calling them pussies for stretching. No, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So it's like you can do what you can do. With a bit of guidance, I mean, the only re- I had a, I'd done training a lot before, previous, so I had knowledge. Um, but yeah, my back has finally gone. Yeah, yeah, right, I mate, uh, that's enough. But I'm I'm slowly working through some exercises to deal with that. A um, lot of squats, a lot of that sort of stuff. Do you know what I've found the absolute best thing for pain management is? Meditation. You're now, not. this is going to sound. Are you? Have you ever read anything by Dr. Joe Dispenza? I I have a good uh, one of the brothers uh, the un, the the code of brothers and sort of mentor but a good mate of mine now Franco Franco he does a lot of Joe Dispenza stuff so I've heard a bit so, about yeah him. so he's uh, basically he is the world leading neuroscientist but he's also he's got a PhD in neuroscience and a PhD in quantum physics and mm-hmm. he is the link between science and spirituality yeah, his books right. are second to none so he was in a triathlon and he got hit by a truck. And his nice. spine was destroyed. So I can't remember the list of injuries, but it was extensive. It was, you're going to be a quadriplegic for the rest of your life. Yeah, right. And he basically, for him, he caught, he put it as a challenge from the universe because he'd always preaching about the power of the mind and how you can heal yourself with the mind. And then he was put in this position where he was told he would never walk again. Mm-hmm. 
So he meditated. All he could do was meditate. He was laying in a fucking hospital bed. He couldn't move. So he yeah. meditated for six to eight hours a day. And he used very specific meditations on healing his body because yeah, targeted meditation. Targeted yeah. meditation. So, and it sounds a little bit crazy, but the thing is, everything in your body is a chemical reaction. Mm-hmm. When you can learn to control those chemical reactions, mm-hmm. you can control healing processes. Spot on. Eight weeks later, he was walking. Twelve weeks later, he ran another triathlon. Wow. Under medical observation, so you can you can fact check it. Go yep. check it out. Yep. Hit by a truck, spine dis- destroyed, and he healed himself through meditation. Mm. He has now coached thousands of people through mm-hmm. pain management. He has documented cases of people managing cancer with meditation. Yeah, right. Under medical guidance and under observation. So people are like, it's fucking bullshit. Yeah, like, Wim, Wim Hof's the same. He does exactly. it through his breathing deep techniques and stuff like that. Yeah, a, lot of these, yeah. a lot of these diseases and conditions that we have these days, they're lifestyle diseases. They, didn't, they didn't exist absolutely. a thousand years ago. I'm, I'm sure order, I'm sure pretty much every autoimmune disorder is actually a lifestyle disease. It's a lifestyle disease. It's got nothing to do with anything else. I mean, you, you go back to what we are talking about before, being a tribal society. We're built to run. We're built to move. We're built yeah. to eat. Like, that is actually what we're supposed to be doing. And, you know, we still live in caves. They're just fancier. <laughs> that, that, that's <laughs> yeah, the reality. Yeah. And we, when we confine ourselves to our caves and we don't push past that barrier, you know, like I said to a guy this morning, I, I was working today, I said, oh, yeah, I did 17 caves on the bike. He goes, why the hell did you do that? I said, because it's fun. He goes, is it? I said, not really at the time. It's fun afterwards. It's fun afterwards. It's achievement. It's, yeah, it's good afterwards, you know. And I, I beat a, I beat a time on Strava today, so I actually did achieve. Yeah, wicked. Today, you know, there what you mean? go. I, I, I got a gold sector, so you know, and I can chase myself. And you know, if we, if we, yeah, the physical thing. Oh, what I was, what was I thinking? The the story to tell you that um, there's a study where basically they got, you know, I got destroyed knees. Right, I've had one major surgery on my right due shards of bone in my left floating around the fluid it's good fun sometimes that's cute yeah yeah sometimes I get up and fall over <laughs> just because why not yeah just yeah, because yeah, get yeah, stand up fall over um, but there was a, a study done it was like 50 people I'm pretty sure and half of them everyone had bad knees half of them had the surgery Western Society get the scalpel proper surgery the other half got put under got a couple little nicks in their knee to say that they had the uh, surgery. Here we go. I like where this is going. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Six months later, they test everyone. The guys that didn't have the knee surgery, their knees are fully repaired. The placebo effect. The placebo effect, man. So Joe Dispenza wrote an entire book on that called yeah. You Are the Placebo. You and are it's the exactly placebo. about yeah. that. Yeah. So the power of the mind is just so... I think we're... It's, it's funny. We think in Western society that we're so fucking intelligent, we're so fucking smart. Oh, we think we're so awesome. We think we're so great. We're, we're but modern science and technology is just catching up mm-hmm. with eastern philosophy Absolutely and eastern medicine we did a whole series uh earlier this month in the last month about uh truth and spirituality science and spirituality and basically what came i'll, I'll save you 10 hours basically <laughs> i'll save you 10 hours and awesome guests no listen to they're good they're no good I'll, I'll definitely that's my jam um basically the takeaway is and you probably already figured this out that it's personal your spirituality is personal and science is a religion it's just a new religion yep and if uh, I think it was it was either I can never remember this it could be Carl Jung or Toll. Basically, the fact that science and spirituality are deemed separate does a disservice to them both. Yeah, I think it was Carl Jung. Carl Jung. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was Jung or, or yeah. Was, yeah. I knew it was, I've got a heap of Toll or Jung quotes in my head, and I can never figure out which ones. Which. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, he, and this is true. You know, the uh, Utsi, the Ice Man, um, he was found in the ice, and he's like, and there's there's uh, tattoos on him. 
and they look at the tattoos and they're acupuncture points. They're energy centers. And then they look at his bones and he'd broken his arm. Yep. So they'd set his arm and then they'd put like tattoos along the energy centers to try and assist with the healing. Yeah, right. You know, and I think, well, I think it might be my lower back. Lower back's to do with support and, you know, mentality and all that sort of stuff. So you man- I imagine it's interesting to think about how much you're manifesting your own pain because if you do feel that in your mind, you know, we are mind, body, spirit, you know, like the mind, body, soul, the three-part being, you know, you've got the, yeah, the, yeah. you know, the... The Valknut? The, the Valknut, the, the triquetra yep. there, right? It's a version of the triquetra. That's the mind, body, spirit. That's what we're talking about. If I pull my keys out, I've got it as a key ring. Yep. My name, Triffin, actually refers back to the triquetra in its original form, which is yeah, not, wicked. Yeah, mind, body, soul type stuff. It, ooh, that's the problem. We've got to try not to knock the table. But um, <laughs> we're on location, guys. It's okay. It's all perfection at every step. That's exactly right. <laughs> but look, man, we, we've got to connect these things. So you do meditation. You do physical fitness. Yep. How, do, how do you bring those together? How do you bring those together? Man, is, so is, is for me personally or for the program? Let's start with you, man. So... I suppose for me, it's actually funny. Of, uh, I'm in the middle of writing a book at the moment. I, mm-hmm. I just finished up this chapter, so it's fresh in my head. So okay. for me personally, um, and we are talking about this before we jumped on about starting work in the online coaching space. So yes. when Black Dog Coaching started, it, was, it wasn't Black Dog Coaching. It was Synergy, Movement, Nutrition, Mindset. Very little mindset stuff, and it was more about the, the training and the nutrition side of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, at the same time that I was doing that, I was really doing a lot of work on myself because I'd only just started to sort of deal with my depression and my suicide attempts and my self-harm and that. Yeah. I was only just really getting help with it. And you know, just just quickly, I've got uh, three pretty suicide, pretty serious suicide attempts. One should have worked and didn't, so yep. I, I, that was the last one because I yep. figured obviously there's bigger plans for me. You're still here, bro. I'm still here. So, you know, and I... And, that's really cool that you openly talk about that. However, we are not alone. No, no. One in four, I think one in four people think of suicide mm. and one in eight attempt. Yeah. I think off the top of my head. You'd have to fact check it, but yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. one in four think about it and one in eight attempt. And it's still the highest. Uh, the it most is the leading cause of death in men aged 15 to 45. Yeah. More men are killing themselves than, than dying else. of natural causes. Than anything else, yeah. And that's on the rise now, courtesy of COVID and, of course and that is. as well. So. Of course it is, because men's only purpose was their work and they've taken a lot of their work away. They don't have anything else. They're struggling to provide for their families. Yeah. Their position as a provider has been taken away. It's, yeah. uh, I've been seeing a lot of it, man, and it's it's really hard to watch, especially when there's not much you can actually do to help people in that position except for, you know, the things that I've learned took me a long time to learn and to mm. implement, and mm. I can tell other people, but until they're ready to hear it. And the hardest part, yeah. the hardest part about depression and the hardest part about mental health, and this isn't a popular opinion, but fuck it, here it goes. It's all right, mate. It's... You can control it. Yes. It is up to you. Yeah, it's, you can, man. If yeah, you can, can learn to manage, and there's, you know, I've got a whole chapter in this on my book, and there's a whole module inside of my program. There's so much science behind it. Mm. Everything that goes on in your head is a matter of perception. Mm-hmm. Your perception is created from the time that you are born, yeah. you are creating a filter. Everything that you think, say, do, and every reaction in your external environment creates you. Very much so. And that creates perceptions of an event. The example I like to use, actually, here's a good example, all right? Mm-hmm. Let's say uh, you're driving along 
and you change lanes and as you change lanes you realize you just cut off a dude on a motorbike yeah not just any dude on a motorbike a big fucking dude on a harley right big, big, uh, big harley yeah, yeah yeah and this dude fucking overtakes you and he pulls in front of you and he starts to slow down okay <laughs> and he starts to slow down until he stops and then you have to stop because you're behind him yeah. and he gets off his bike and he walks over to your window and he fucking <laughs> knocks on your fucking window right <laughs> now if we had a magic remote control and we pause life yeah. at that exact moment in time you would rewind and, and we no, <laughs> <laughs> well if we were to take a blood test and for the purpose of testing your your brain chemistry at that point in time here's yeah. what we'd find your stress and adrenaline oh, say your, your cortisol your adrenaline your epinephrine your norepinephrine they're through the fucking roof yeah, you are the shitting bricks right <laughs> yeah, you're we, the fuck we out. send that off to a psychologist or a psychiatrist and they go holy fuck man you have severe depression and anxiety yes. this, this tells me that you are fucked all right yeah, 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 yeah. now cut back we get our magic remote you press play all right you wind your window down dude takes his fucking helmet off and it's the rock Dwayne Johnson the yeah, fucking right. rock is standing there and he's like hey man I realized your brake lights are out I just wanted to let you know, you know <laughs> bad bad American accent sorry guys yeah. but it's Same the thing. it's yeah. the rock yeah. and all of a sudden you go from being shit scared to fucking yeah. fangirling oh my god the rock's yeah, talking yeah, yeah, to me yeah. right we freeze it we take, take another blood, blood yeah. test yeah. right all of a sudden all adrenaline good stuff. adrenaline good epinephrine stuff. norepinephrine gone yeah. now all of a sudden you've got endorphins you've got yeah. serotonin you've got yeah. dopamine all yeah, the feel good hormones awesome, yeah. we send that to the same psychiatrist and oh, he goes fantastic man. no 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 you're now bipolar you're manic oh really one moment you were down here the next minute you're up here That's oh your... right yeah yeah because he's got both samples yeah Roger. Yeah, yeah so yeah. all you know a few seconds ago you were depressed as fuck now you're through the roof mm. you have bipolar either way we're going to give you drugs to rectify that yeah the only thing that changed in that situation with your perception, perception. Yeah. when people can clue into that and Preaching realize that you right. can control your perception mm-hmm. and that's where meditation comes into it that's where the mindset stuff comes into it if mm-hmm. you can control your perception and realize that not everything in your life needs a fucking reaction absolutely yep then all of a sudden and i'm living proof of this like i have been diagnosed with clinical depression mm-hmm. but i haven't had a depressive episode in months and months and when yeah. i do have a depressive episode i'm down for you know two three days yeah. whereas before i was down permanently for yes. fucking well over a year yeah and when i do fucking slide down i can sit back i can meditate mm-hmm. i journal i assess what's going on in my head yes. and I, I i have self-awareness it's about becoming the observer mate you, you you're preaching to the choir. yes exactly you, we, we've done a series uh you know this will be episode 120 or something like that we've probably dedicated 30 or 40 podcasts to mental health uh, we've done a series called quest for self where we talk about belief systems we talk about creating your own path we actually try and unpack this stuff on a, on a deeper level. And I'm living proof as well, mate. If you can gain that observer perspective where you're observing yourself. Yes. People don't do it because it's uncomfortable it's in the very, early stages. Oh, yeah, because you got to put one of the first things to do, you got to look yourself in the mirror and go, you're a fucking idiot, mate. The very beginning of our program, the first thing we get clients to do is what we call a truth assessment. Ooh. And it's, it's just a question and answer, but it breaks their life down into different areas. I just cringed. I cringed, right? yeah. And it's, you know, so there's nutrition, there's training, there's emotions, there's your social environment, there's mm-hmm. everything. And it asks questions about that. And then at the end of it, you basically take all those points and you make a statement. Yeah. And that statement Ooh, is fucking it. ugly. It's ugly, man. It's a fucking ugly statement. I've it's had people so who terrible. have I've had people who have pulled off the program right there and then, but what they don't realize is That's if the you, step. That's if the you don't step. have that awareness of what the fuck is wrong in your you life, can't do anything else. you can't fix it. If everything in your life is somebody else's fault, you don't you're giving away the power to fix your own problems. If there's you one, blame everybody else, you can't fix it. There's one common denominator there too, right? If everybody you, around you is a fucking idiot, <laughs> 
I'm sorry, but guess what? That's probably you. Yeah. You know, and I and I and depending on the classes and depending on the groups, we get into this, some of this mental health stuff with some of the training that I do. And depending on the and I've got to pick the right group because sometimes it gets a bit touchy. <laughs> and I go, uh, and sorry, but all your things that you blame everyone else for are your fucking fault. Correct. And everyone goes, <gasps> I'm like, yeah. And if, okay. not, and if they're not your fault, it's your responsibility to learn and grow exactly. from it. Exactly. It might not be. So I, I said that once, you know, that everything in your life is a, is a reflection of the choices that you've made. Yep. And I got smashed on social media. Oh, like, and the hate that I got was phenomenal. People were like, what about if I was sexually abused as a child? What about this? What about mm. that? And I'm like, okay, I was sexually abused as a child. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm not a victim. Mm. It was out of my control. Mm. It's only something that I've actually... So for me, it was a repressed memory and one of the things I'm only just piecing together this year. It only just came out yeah, this really. year. Yeah, really. But it, it was a missing piece of a puzzle for me because yeah. there's so many things in my life to do with self-worth issues yep. and, and all of that. Mm. And once I realized what happened to me as a child, so many aspects of my life made it, sense. It's like a domino, eh? Domino, and for but... me, it's like, okay, you were sexually abused as a child. That's horrible. It's, it's not your fault. Yeah but it's your responsibility to grow from it and yeah, to learn from to it. to not deal with it. Yeah. And the example that I use, we have a guy in the Black Dog Brotherhood, so uh, Dylan. He's actually now a volunteer and mentor inside of the group as well. Awesome. He was a victim of a pedophile ring for 11 years. Wow. Uh, he was sexually assaulted over a thousand times. Wow. Um, now, at the age of 19, he managed to get away from that pedophile ring, but what he did is he went back of his own volition wearing a wire to bring them down and he brought down one of Australia's biggest pedophile rings. Good on him. Good he was he was sexually assaulted over a thousand times and in yeah. the victim of a pedophile ring for 11 years. You know what he's doing now? He's fucking living like a warrior. Yeah. Because he chose to. Chose, because yeah. he chose not yeah. to be a victim chose, and he yeah. chose to. He still struggles and it's something he'll always struggle with. Mm-hmm. He's getting all the support that he needs. He has, you know, he's, he's talking to his psychologist and his psychiatrist. Mm. He's in the brotherhood and he's got his support network there. Yeah. But, if a man who is sexually abused over a thousand times can choose to, not to, to be a victim yeah. and can choose and to, take to have his power back yeah. and to take back his power, yeah. what's stopping anybody else? Nothing. And people don't want to hear it because no, they, they get don't. caught. They get caught up in their victim mindset and they yeah. get caught up in their "woe is me." This mm-hmm. always happens to me. Mm-hmm. The universe hates me. It's like, mm-hmm. no, cunt. You're not doing anything to fix it. <laughs> exactly. It's horrible that yeah. it happened to you. But it's terrible. It's, but it does not take away from it. And look, I, I was, I, I, I got abused as a child too, man. And I, I was like 23 or something staring. I was at an, in an office job staring at a fire extinguisher and it just came cascading back. Yeah, right. Like, it's same thing, repressed memories. Just yep. like, oh, shit. What right, I'm realizing through right, the... What I'm right. learning through the brotherhood at the moment is we talk about the volume of sexual abuse with women. What I'm finding is it's just as prevalent just as prevalent yeah. in men yeah i know so many people yeah. so many men yeah. who were victims of childhood sexual abuse but as a man you don't talk about that no, you don't say nothing you don't say no, anything you don't say nothing and and, and look i mean I, you know for me I, and i and again okay i remembered it at 23 i've only been able to speak about it uh i've spoken about it on the podcast before so it's okay yep. however i've only been able to, be able to speak about openly for probably three years four years about that you know it gets easier every time you do it though, does man it? And, and it does and and it, it is so prevalent and what happens is that you you look back on all a lot of the decisions that you've made and it's like well that's the missing piece of the puzzle that i didn't have yeah um and it's like oh shit you know, and it's fucking terrible. But to go back to Dylan, 
But what I suffered is nothing compared to that. Yeah. But there's two sides to that. Number one is it's nothing compared to that. Number two, though, the trauma in my mind and the and the, the we talk about chemical response and all yep. that stuff, it is exactly the same if it happened once or if it happened 10,000 times. Rock bottom is subjective. Yeah. Somebody once told me when I first went public with my suicide and what I was struggling with, uh, somebody once, and they were a close friend as well, mm. they said to me, you don't know what fucking rock bottom is. Now, at this point, I didn't... I, didn't know about my sexual abuse at that time. That yeah. only came out this year. But when I went public with my suicide attempt and my depression and that mm. sort of stuff, I had a close friend tell me that I didn't know what rock bottom really was. Yeah, you don't have any idea. And in that moment, I realized rock bottom is subjective. It's all perception again, it's man. Rock, rock bottom is subjective. Yeah. So if you take somebody who was ray, born and raised with a silver spoon in a high socioeconomic standing, mm-hmm. and you take somebody who was born and raised on the fucking streets on welfare, like they've lived a hard fucking life. Yeah. You take both of them and you put them in a middle-class home on a low income, the person who's born and raised on the streets will be like, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. Holy shit, I've got a roof over my head and food. Yeah. The silver spoon motherfucker will be like, oh, my life is ending. Oh, Jeeves, fetch my fucking caviar. You know, mm. Their life will end. And for them, it's rock bottom. Mm. It's subjective. Absolutely. And again, we'd go back to perception. Exactly. If, if, if I had a dollar for every time over the last 120 episodes that I said the word perspective, 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 doesn't matter what you're talking about, I'd, this, this would be a paid podcast, mate. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's yeah. how many times I've said it over and over and over again. And it's interesting, you talk about the silver spoon, the affluent section of society, they take more antidepressants per capita than any other fucking section of society. It's because they take more cocaine than the rest of society as well. <laughs> they, need to, they need to come back around. <laughs> that's right. Because <laughs> they, they can afford the hard drugs, that's why. Well, but at the same time, are they winning the game? We no. think they're winning the game. They're fucking not because they're the ones that are putting the, our perceptions together. You know, like it's like they're not – This is the, I, I tell that to people. It's like, yeah, cool, you got to pay your bills. And look, I've made money, man. I've made a fucking dickload of money at times. It's not happiness, though. It's not happiness, man. No. It's not happiness. And I find now that, like anything else in this world, money is just energy, right? Yes. As soon as I let go of chasing it, I find I've got more cash in my pocket. I'm not, on paper, I'm not making as much. I'm, I'm making a third of what I've made yep. at times. But I've got more cash in my pocket because I let go of the energy behind it. I let go of that relentless yeah bullshit it's know? it's a cliche but it's actually fucking true and it's happiness happiness are. happiness comes from within and it's yes. literally for me yes. it's probably been the last 12 maybe 18 months that that has actually That's dawned on in. me sunk in, it's yeah. only just i could literally and i said this to a friend the other day i'm at a point in my life where you know obviously i've got my kids so i wouldn't do it because of them but i'm at a point in my life where i could very happily disappear for a couple of months and go sit in a cave by myself for fucking three months and yeah. be blissfully fucking happy. Yeah. Nothing but food, water, and just sitting and thinking. And mm-hmm. I could do that mm-hmm. and be fucking insanely happy. Yeah. Because through my meditation, through my journaling, well, through the self-awareness... you've become comfortable in your own skin, mate. Yeah. It's yeah. like money can't buy that. No. And for me, I think it gets to a point where... You, you know, can't I look buy at people, what's not being sold, man. It's exactly right. And people who are making all this money, at what point does it become irrelevant? Like, for me, mm-hmm. I've got a roof over my head. I can feed my kids. What more do I need? Nothing, really. It's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and, and I, we, we need to... What's happening with modern society, and I think that we, took, we go back to talking about purpose, is... Oh, have you heard the conversation with God 
books, Neil Donald Walsh. No, I haven't. Fascinating books. Whether or not he's having a conversation with God is is regardless. Was he on acid at the time? No, he's not. He's a very he's a very astute dude. He just basically was channeling, or I don't know what he was doing. Yep. Um, however, he's got a series of books, and they're very fascinating. We Franco and me, we were at a a, a conference with him uh, via computer, and he was telling a story about his father, and his father's eighty years old on his deathbed. You know, about to drop off the call, and he's like, "Neil, I'm unhappy. I'm I'm fucking miserable." And he's like, "Why, Dad?" He goes, "Well, I don't know why. I did everything I was supposed to do. I passed school. I played the <laughs> football. I got the job. I got the girl. I got the house. I got the car. I got the got the better job. Got the better house. Got the better car. Had the kids. Did this, Dad. That I did everything that Western society told me I was supposed to. I get to eighty years old, I'm fucking miserable. Nobody lays on their deathbed going." Fuck, I wish I'd work more. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I wish I had more gold coins. Like, as if it fucking matters at the end of the day. Like, I'm going to take a stab and say you're a big fan of Marcus Aurelius and the meditations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, it's so hard to explain to people who aren't prepared to hear it. No. But it's literally, that man was fucking 100,000 years ahead of his time. Like, uh, we still haven't caught up with no. where his philosophy was <laughs> no, and, the, and, the, no. you know, and the stoicism philosophy. Mm. But it's, it's literally, everything is from within. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. is from within, you know, and he was able to master that fucking thousands of years ago. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's like the more I read into these things, the more I look at like once upon a time, if you told me that I was reading philosophy and feeling enlightened from reading it, <laughs> I would have told you you're a fucking idiot and to get out of my face. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, so I, if people had told me that, I wouldn't have listened. But now I'm at a point where I'm like, people were smarter you know, two, three thousand years ago than mm-hmm. we are now. They were more clued in than we are now. And we, we as a society, we need yeah. to go back to that. Yep. We need to fuck things. Have to. I don't know how it changes because it's such a big change to take place. The the contrast but, is going to be unbelievable. I'm not sure either. Yeah. I mean, for anybody who's listening, it it is this simple. It is this fucking simple. Get a book called How to Live Like a Roman Emperor. It's basically a transcription of Marcus Aurelius' life and his yeah. philosophy and, and his, his meditations. Yeah, his journals. Apply that and watch your life mm-hmm. change beyond anything that you thought possible. Mm. Live like they did thousands of years ago. Learn to find and actually change. Have the balls to follow your intrinsic purpose. If you, you know, discover what your intrinsic purpose is, mm. a lot of people don't even chase it, even if they do find what it is, because they go, oh, fuck, that means I might have to quit my job and there's security in my job. Yeah. It might mean you've got to leave a toxic relationship, which could mean a divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, there's when you discover your intrinsic purpose, you've got to have the balls to follow it. And mm-hmm. I can I can tell you, not just from my own experience and you know, from your experience mm-hmm. and from the fucking dozens and dozens and hundreds of people that we've coached in Black Dog, yep. it can change everything. Man, you, anybody I, can yeah, be happy. Absolutely. Anybody can be happy, but you've got to be prepared to do the mental reps and sets, and you've got to be prepared to take the big fucking leaps to change everything you thought it's you knew about life. It's fucking scary, man. Yeah. It's fucking scary. And it takes uh, a discipline that we don't understand. I, I, obviously, you love Jocko as well. Oh, Jocko. Yeah, yeah you know. Jocko for president. Well, I don't, when is he going to run? I don't know. He should. Him and The Rock. I, I agree with Joe when he said that. But um, discipline equals freedom. Yes. You're right. And, I, you know, my wife says to me, because, look, when I, I, I COVID's been interesting for me. Uh, as far as my depression goes and my depressive tendencies. I've had some big triggers this year. What I've found, though, is my window getting shorter and shorter. Yeah. Like you say, there'd be you a time something would go wrong and I'd be dead in the water for a year. Yeah. Whereas nowadays something clicks and it's like 
couple of days. You know what I mean? Or not even, maybe not even that. Like I had an experience a few weeks ago where something pretty big happened and my wife sort of looked at me like, oh, fuck. Here, here we go. go. Here we She'd fucking go. Yeah, exactly. Here we fucking go. <laughs> and I was good by that afternoon. Yep. Because I can see it and I can recognize it. And, you know, we, we talk about discipline. When I'm working, I have to train early in the morning. Yep. Doesn't matter who you are. Getting up early in the morning sucks. Balls, I get up at four thirty every morning. Yeah, it sucks, man. Yep. It's not a fun thing. No. My wife goes to me, I don't know how you've got the energy to exercise early in the morning. I don't. I don't at all. <laughs> just so we're clear. No one does. You know, like you, you do it. You just do it. Like I you know, I set my alarm for five this morning, slowly got up, got my gear, and I was on the bike by no, about quarter to six or something like that. Don't think, do. Just do. Yeah. yeah. yeah just <laughs> you, you can't think too much about it. You know, and I've said this a few times. Some rides I go on if I've got to get up early at four to go for a ride if I really, you know. And it's a mental thing for me too, the riding. Yeah. Riding the bike, it actually helps me, the, the pedaling and all that. It's, it's a form of meditation. It is, yeah. That I see. And um, yeah, it's like my mind is still trying to tell me to go home when I'm 1.5 k's into the fucking ride. See, I'm usually pretty good once I start. I'm the same with... I get up at 4.30, so my morning routine is I get up... So you are a jocko, mate. You love yeah, it. I get up... Oh, again, it's nobody likes getting up at 4.30, no but I do it. it. So I get up at 4.30. The first thing I do is I get light in my eyes. I go to the toilet and turn the light on because once you get light mm-hmm. on your eyes, mm-hmm. it basically triggers cortisol and shuts down melatonin, i.e. it wakes you, wakes up, you up and shuts down the sleep hormones. Yep. As soon as I do that, I neck about a litre and a half of water because I like to fast till sort of midday one o'clock. Yep. That fills me up. And it means I'm hydrated, ready for my workout, and I just crack into it. I do my yoga. I do meditation off the back of my yoga. By that time, it's 6.30 in the morning. Two hours is gone, mm. and it's been all me. It's mm. been my time, my personal development. So I make time for it because uh, without that, I start to come apart at the seams. Absolutely. And you, what you've also done there too, and, it, and you, you've also done the hardest thing you'll do all day. Yeah. No, I'm a single dad with three kids, so it gets <laughs> usually about three o'clock when the school bell rings, it gets harder, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, that's true. That's true. With small children. I th- and actually, there's something, you know, whether you're a single parent or, uh, you know, me and my wife parent two two lovely children, we love them. Um, oh, that's good. I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good. Most of the time. <laughs> little bastards. Um, no. <laughs> but it... We, how do you approach that? Because, like, I've got a, a couple of single mates yep and they're like why can't you train four hours a day why can't you do what you know what i mean it's like, well, i've well, got hang, kids I've, I've got oh, what does that mean well that means that you are crazy hour starts at four thirty in the afternoon and doesn't finish till eight yep uh that's it they go to sleep yeah yeah most of the time they don't you know and the the stress and stuff that comes with that what's your strategies around that because i mean i find that's why i've I train in the morning as well. It's like, there's no chance I could train in the afternoon. No. Once I get home, the girls are on my ankles. The, you know what I mean? Like, Your motivation no wears down during the day as well. Yeah. Willpower isn't an unlimited resource. It's a finite resource. Mm. Your brain uses something like 20% of the calories you eat simply existing before you look at anything else. Yeah. And if you're burning through willpower through the day, making decisions, having a big day from mm. a, you know, either a, a physical, hate. in yeah. a job that you hate, by the time the afternoon comes, your, your willpower to train has gone. So, mm. For me, I do 50-50 custody. So I have a week with the kids, week without the kids. Mm-hmm. The week that I have the kids, I get up at 4.30. I get everything done so that at 6.30 when they're rolling out of bed. It's all done. Full-time, full-time dad mode, getting yep. them ready, getting them off for school. Yep. They go to school. I cram about, I don't know, six weeks worth of work into six hours. <laughs> uh, yeah, go pick the kids up. I actually meditate again at 2 o'clock because for me, meditation is just as good as taking a half-hour nap. When yeah, you have a yeah, good right meditation right. session, it's a good reset, and I mm-hmm. need that because I'm fucking gassed by 2 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. 
So I'll meditate for about 20 minutes, pick the kids up, and then again, once I get the kids, it's all... Dad mode. Dad mode. Yep. Kids go to bed, and then I'll either... My oldest one stays up. She's nearly 13, so she stays up a bit, um, and I'll either watch TV with her for a little bit, mm. or, I'll, or I'll go back to work if I've got a lot on. Mm. But it's funny. I was... This is actually probably one of the most shameful things in my life is that early on in my kid's life, I wasn't a good dad because yeah. I was dealing with my own shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't abusive or anything like that. I was just absent. Mm-hmm. And even when I, you know, I was physically absent from the art because I was with the army a lot, but then yep. even when I was home, I was emotionally absent. I was not a good dad early mm-hmm. on. And that's probably, I don't have many regrets in life, but as far as regrets go, that's one of them. Yeah, but, me too, man. Me but too. for me, <clears throat> becoming a single dad was the best thing that ever happened because it forced me to get my shit together. Yeah, to do it. And yeah. start adulting like a fucking actual adult. Yeah. So I have an amazing relationship with my kids now. My kids are like my best friends. Yeah, right. Um, That's I've, awesome. got, I've got a 12-year-old, 9-year-old, 8-year-old, and mm-hmm. my 12-year-old just started meditating with me and started journaling. So every night before we go to bed, she. so I do reflective journaling every night. For, okay. those, for those who don't know what reflective journaling is, it's not just like today. Just, just, today. Yeah, today yeah. I yeah. ate a... I ate them. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> reflective journaling is self-assessment of the day that you had. You look at your interactions with people, yeah. your reactions, your emotions. What and could you, have you done better? What can I do better to be a better person, a better dad, a better boss, a better whatever, a better human being? What mm-hmm. can I do tomorrow? And that I put pen to paper every single night. That then becomes my intention for yeah, my following morning's meditation and it creates a cycle. I've just started teaching my oldest daughter that. So she started journaling with me every single night and she meditates in the morning. And then even when she's over at her mum's place, she keeps a journal there and I send her a message to remind her to journal and mm-hmm. send her a message to remind. And already the results she's seeing are fucking phenomenal. And it's like... Well, she's in that stage. I mean, I, I can't... I know, I know what it's like to be a teenage boy. I can only imagine what it's fuck like. Fuck being a kid these days, yeah, man. That, you man. couldn't pay me enough to be a kid no. these days. We, I we, feel we sorry had, for We it. had so much more freedom and innocence and... We had a childhood. We had a childhood, yeah. These these poor kids these days, they, they, they have nothing. And it's... Well, not nothing, but they have just such a different experience. Yeah. It's... um. But that's really cool, man, that you've done that, you know, and I'm... I'm, I'm eventually eventually the other myself. two will be old enough as well, so they're probably a little bit young at the moment, but yeah. what we do is each night when we have dinner we sit around the dinner table and how was your day what happened well it's uh two things that you did uh two things that uh went well today Mm -hmm. and something that you're grateful for and we do that every night just as dinner conversation so what was good today two good things that were good today and Mm -hmm. one thing that you're grateful for and we do that every night when we sit and have dinner together so i'm starting to you know the things that i'm learning now if somebody had fucking told me this 35 you know 39 years ago yeah isn't it amazing things would have been completely different but you wouldn't have listened and this is the that's all really good stuff and you know there's a i was an asshole of a kid i wouldn't have listened no no neither would i neither would i there's no fucking way i would have listened um (laughs) my my youngest ones are six and three and if i don't get to my gym i um I, i do what i call the dirty 30 Yep. Which is basically... Is that like a shortened version of the Filthy 50? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. So, yeah, it's 30 Hurt sit-ups. Hurt yeah, 30 sit-ups, 30 squats, 30, just 30 of everything. Yep. And my three-year-old, my six-year-old, they'll line up next to me and they're like trying to do sit-ups yeah, and stuff, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? That's good. And the, the Father's Day thing I got this year is that what is your daddy good at? And she put exercising. So, oh, well, that's... I'll take that. I'll take that. It's getting through somewhere along the way. So, what I wanted to go through from there how do you with the, with the fathers that you deal with are you getting good results with those guys as well with some of this stuff i mean that's yeah it's um one of the hardest things for me to see is we have a lot of guys who don't get to see their kids so balancing 
because even though we have the training program and the the mindset and the nutrition program they're actually second to the community the community is what makes black dog black dog of course yeah because what we do is after guys or girls because we have black dog sisterhood as yeah, well so that, yeah. when they finish the program they become lifetime members so they stay in the community and then what i've found is then they naturally help people who are coming in at the beginning yeah so okay. assume the mental role almost yeah right? yeah but the problem is for especially for a lot of guys that we get coming in it's got to be hard for them when they see dads talking about proud dad moments inside yeah. of the group and they do mm-hmm. um, and rightfully so because we encourage guys to share their wins and that but then there's a lot of guys who Just haven't seen get- their, they don't get to see their kids mm-hmm. and it's literally driving them to the point of suicide and mm. You hear these stories over and over again of the kids being used as pawns. And it's essentially, how can I hurt you the most? I'll just hold your kids from you. Preaching to the choir, mate. Preaching to the choir. Um, So we do, you know, we do have a lot of guys talking about their kids and we encourage that because it is a, a, you know, fatherhood's an amazing, amazing thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But we do have to be mindful of the fact that we have guys in the community who, seeing that, it could be a trigger for them as well. So we, we do have to be careful in the way that we balance that. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think you're doing some really, really awesome work, man. I, I resonate a lot with it. And that's the reason we wanted to get together originally because it's like you can see a lot of the things you're doing. I see myself as a synthesizer of data. I like that. Uh, and I do that a lot. And I see, I'm not, I totally love what you do because I've had a few guys go, oh, you know, you could take some of these ideas and, and turn it into this, that. No, I'm not interested. Yep, it's not your purpose. It's not my purpose, man. Yeah. My purpose is talking to you. Yeah, and, wicked. And, and helping you get your word out there and assisting in any way that I can with that. I love that. I've got a different purpose. Uh, I'm down a megalithic rabbit hole that <laughs> is very long and wide <laughs> and deep. However, you know, I love talking about this stuff and, and, I, and I love the fact that what, what's good for me, what I've seen is that, and I followed a fair few different guys and it's like, everybody's taken their own path but everybody's ending up at the same place and i think that's the most important thing yeah absolutely and as men we are responsible like the the, the total fuck up that we the cluster fuck that we find ourselves in today yep it's men's fault yeah we did it own it we did it we fucked up we yeah. fu- we fucked everything yeah and the only way forward is to do what you're doing you know what I mean? And, and and to help these boys see clear. And the biggest thing I think is that, you know, think about the quotes we've thrown at each other today. Carl Jung, Aurelius, Eckhart Tolle. so much alignment between what different purpose, but same path. Absolutely. Like in terms of like the, the methods that we take. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And at the same time though, if we had a, you know, I'm 38. How old are you now? 39. 39. So we're pretty Still much, on the better side of 40, yeah, just. Yeah, we're still under 30, under 40, just. You know, so we're the same age. We grew up in the same era. If you had to pull pulled over twenty two year old you and twenty two year old me and said, "Hey, I was a piece of shit." Oh fuck! Don't even get me started. <laughs> don't even get me started. But these are, here's here's a list of quotes that you're going to throw around in your mid thirties. We'll say mid thirties. We'll just pretend, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, here's a series of quotes you're going to throw around in your mid thirties, and they're going to mean so much to you. We went, fuck off, like, piss get, off. Like, get, get, get me another beer and another line, asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, well, it's, it's exactly whatever, whatever poisons we were filling ourselves full. But what I, what I really like doing, and I am seeing, and I, I wanted to see whether you, you're seeing some of it as well. It seems to be these younger guys around 2022 20, now, 20 to 25 now, for whatever reason, they seem to be very open. 
And I'm yeah. actually getting through to some of these guys because that's my demographic for my students, sort of 19 to 25. Yep. And there's a fair percentage of them are like, oh, wow, man, look, I, I love some of the things you're talking about and some of the things you're saying. And, you know, I've actually referred a few people to you, mate. I don't know whether that came through as a client, but I did say, listen, you know, there's a guy, Black Dog Brotherhood. Yeah, wicked. Um, because I love what you're doing. It seems to be there's a reception there. 25 to 35, I am concerned about those boys. Yep. They seem to be a bit lost. They're a little bit more ingrained at that age. Yeah. At, at the, so we've actually just... Uh, it was funny, I've had this conversation with somebody the other day. We've got our youngest black dog uh, brother who is 21. Yeah, right. Um, and he... Same thing. So he's basically... He was out partying all the time, you know, doing the thing, mm-hmm. drinking drinks, getting on the pingers mm-hmm. every weekend. That was his thing. And at 21, he had this moment where he sort of looked into his future and he's like... This isn't going anywhere. This no. lead, this leads to nowhere. Mm-hmm. So, I only wish I had that level of self awareness at yeah. fucking twenty one. Um, you know, and he had a friend who was already in the Black Dog Brotherhood who said, "Well, come to a retreat, check it out, see what you think." Mm-hmm. And um, came to a retreat, joined off the back of the retreat, and he's never looked back. So he did uh, what's he up to? Something like three months sober, wow. with nothing. And then he well actually done. went to a party for the first time the other weekend, and he made a conscious decision to to party, to have a, have drinks, get on some chemicals whatever and he found himself sitting in a room going this is shit yeah right i, so I don't want to be here so he indulged again yeah and come out of it yep so for him that was a learning curve he's like i don't need this in my life and he's 21 wow so See, that's you've, awesome, you've hit the nail on the head that's with awesome. there's a, a new for a lack of better term a new breed of men who are coming out and i think it's because the messages that we're putting out now yeah it's starting to be ears. it's starting to reach ears, ears. Yeah. whereas you know when we came up there were no messages there was nothing harden the fuck up it was, was the message yeah yeah and look look i know what's at the bottom of 10 gin bean bottles mate it's not the answer you know what i mean <laughs> i'll tell you that one for free you know so where do you sit these days are you sober or do you still indulge a little bit moderation so I haven't, moderation i haven't had a i haven't had a drink I haven't had anything in, uh, what are we now, November? So pretty much a year. So it was, uh, I went to an engagement party. I can't remember if it was late November or early December last year. And that mm-hmm. was the last time I had anything. Yeah, right. Um, and I've never felt better for it. Yeah, right. It's the mental clarity that I got. And I don't crave it. Mm. So that night at that engagement party, it was like, same thing. I'm like, I'm not enjoying this. No. And then it dawned on me that I hadn't enjoyed it the previous time or the time before that. Yeah. And it just got to a point, I don't, I don't, I don't mm. enjoy it anymore. Mm. You know? And it's for me... You know, I've found my intrinsic purpose and I'm aligned to it. I have an amazing relationship with my kids. Mm-hmm. I fucking, I'm privileged to wake up every day and fucking align to my purpose. Mm-hmm. And, as, and not only that, I get to see other people discover theirs and align to theirs. Mm. And for me, there's no price you can put on seeing a dude come into the brotherhood as broken as I was or worse mm-hmm. and seeing where they are at the end of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had men who literally had a suicide attempt the week before coming onto the program, who are now volunteer mentors inside of the program. We've got one fellow who was introduced to alcohol at five years old. I don't know if you listen to the podcast, but at five years old, he was introduced to alcohol and he was mm. a very like full-blown alcoholic by the time he was in his uh, adulthood. He's completely clean now and he's wow. a volunteer volunteer mentor inside of, the, inside of the community. So we've had guys who have overcome ice addictions. We've had guys who have overcome you know, sexual trauma. Mm. We've had guys overcome, you know, bankruptcy, PTSD. We've got a couple of soldiers, you know, ex-soldiers in there who are mm. battling with PTSD. So it's the fun, the thing that I've, <laughs> people are like, oh, what's your background? Like, what have you studied? I'm like, nothing, cunt. Yeah. I, I'm not a shrink and I don't pretend to be. No. We tr- the first question I ask people is, are you seeing a mental health professional? Yeah. If not, why not? Yeah. 
And the way I describe it to people is if you picture mental health, uh, mental health as a giant pie chart, mm. maybe 10% of that would be mental health. Yeah. Maybe ten percent will be pharmaceuticals if you need that. Like if you if you need that, and I did the I made it. That was actually part of my pathway into creating the the program for Black Dog because I made a conscious choice to get off it because mm. they made me more depressed. As a result, I got severe side effects. It fucked with my weight. It fucked with my head. It fucked with my sex drive. It fucked with everything. Yeah, I got, I've got offered him like three times, and I chose not to. Yeah. Probably it is probably one of those times I probably should have. However, I didn't. Um, it's a personal choice, and I yeah. never ever ever tell people not to do it. I mm. acknowledge that some people need them they to absolutely survive, do. But absolutely, I also yeah. feel that they are overprescribed. Yeah, without a doubt. So it's like if you've got a mental health pie chart, ten percent of it's a mental health professional mm-hmm. to deal with the specific trauma and mental illness that you are dealing with, and and to have some objective as well. Some objective. Ten yeah. percent might be pharmaceuticals. The other eighty percent. It's all you, man. That's black dog coaching. Yeah, it's That's awesome. the fitness, the nutrition, the meditation, the journaling, the yeah. ice bath, the perception management. Yeah. That's what we deal with. We deal with the lifestyle factors that are scientifically proven to support positive mental health. We're not shrinks. We don't pretend to be. And we try to refer people or get people to go and see their shrinks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For that, for that you know, specific gateway to the whatever mental health issue there is for everything else. Mm. That's what the rest of the program's on. And it works because it's helped me. It's helped hundreds of guys. Yeah. You know, Black Dog Sisterhood, we've got about 20 or 30 women in there now and it's helping them as well. So awesome. I see it. And that's your partner doing that? No, 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 yeah. no. So uh, that's, uh, we have Coach Kaya. So okay. she, she actually, uh, funny story. So her fiance was a Black Dog brother. Mm. He didn't want to join. She fucking, she, she, took, she did the coaching <laughs> call. So she rang me. She rang me. She's like, my Mate, partner won't do it. Do it. We'll pay for it. Get him in the Black Dog Brotherhood. Mm. So she signed him up, whether he fucking liked it or not. And he's he's actually <laughs> good one, woman. Good he's woman. actually one of our. We call him two now because he's a different fucking like he's literally a different dude. Yeah. And she saw the results that it got for him. And this was back when it was just Black Dog Brotherhood before we became Black Dog Coaching. Mm. Then when we branched out to Black Dog Coaching and opened the Sisterhood, she jumped on as the uh, the female coach for that. Wow. So her, awesome. her her fiance is still in Black Dog Brotherhood and she manages Black Dog Sisterhood. Wow, isn't that awesome, man? And that's so awesome to hear that stuff. What about the um, obviously an ex you know veteran yourself? So you got a couple of diggers on board, or yeah, we've got uh, off the top of my head, we've got one, two, three. I can think of four guys that we've got in there who are ex military. Oh, actually, we've got a few more now. So we've got four or five ex military guys inside of there. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we've got guys battling with you know PTSD from various traumas from yeah. deployments and stuff like that. Yeah. So was that a big part of your stuff as well, or was that just companion? No, I never, I never saw. I deployed, but I never really saw combat. Okay. Um, you know, I've never, I've never shot anybody. Um, I've been shot at twice, but neither one of them was in combat. It was in Melbourne, so go figure. Oh right, wrong place, wrong time. That's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, but, um, <laughs> save that for next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, but yeah, I've never, I've never seen combat. I've been in a few scary situations, so mm. I don't have PTSD. There's a few things that as a result of writing my book and I've had to go back and start to unlock a lot of stuff for writing my book. from a different perspective. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that came up and I'm like, holy fuck, I hadn't thought about that since 2006 and now there's a whole raft of shit that's coming out from that. Mm. Um, but again, that's not so much PTSD as I wasn't happy with who I was and the way I was behaving and the things that we did. Yeah, right. And I wasn't happy with the way the army performed and things that the army did. So yeah. that was, you know... And that's stuff that's coming out now, but I find that now, if that had come out two, three years ago, I would have been struggling with that. Mm. It would have just been more fucking weight on the shoulders. But now it's just another piece. Yeah, I mean, it's a memory a memory with an emotional charge. Mm. You could call it trauma, depression, whatever you want to call it. Mm. 
when you eliminate that charge and you don't have an emotional charge to a memory, yeah. it's wisdom. Yeah, it's true. The, the, the difference between trauma and wisdom is removing the emotion from it. And I think that's you would go back to being the observer. And 100%. stuff like that. You know exactly. I mean? And look, I know that for some severe PTSD, I think they uh, some there's some studies over in the States that are using MDMA. Ayahuasca as well. Ayahuasca, yeah. Ayahuasca, DMT, and they're having amazing results with it. So once again, going back to plants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The same thing they were doing 5,000 years ago. Now yeah, all of exactly. a sudden they're trialing plants and they're like, look at us, Western society, we're fucking killing it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, slow clap, well done. They've yeah, been doing it for 5,000 years, but good on you. Hats yeah. off. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's all these me- medicinal plants that are here to help us, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I say that all the time to people. Like, it's like, you know, if you had a headache and I had some Panadol, I'll give you some Panadol. We've got no fucking idea what's in those white pills at all. Yeah. Right? But if I said to you instead, mate, hey, just there's there's a willow bark tree over there. Just take some of that bark off, boil it into a tea. It's going to taste like shit, but drink the tea. I guarantee your headache goes away like that. You go, oh, you fucking crazy. Most people go, you fucking crazy, man. No. Paracetamol is derived from a willow bark tree. That's where the chemical compound is. <laughs> there you go. I didn't from, know that. There you right? go. Like that, that active compound. And I think one of the issues that Western society has is like, yes, okay, there's all these plant medicines that we can use, yet we try and isolate the very molecule that we think is it. It's not the molecule, it's the fucking plant. Why do we have cannabinoid receptors? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like there's, Why are they there? Yeah. It's curious. I don't there's, know. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe because weed's been here since just, fucking... Just a spare part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, look, if... Yeah, we're, we're weed advocates. That's a whole here, other mate. podcast. There's a whole other podcast. And it, it'd be a miracle plant. I actually I actually feel like this could be a regular thing. There's so many topics that have oh, come out mate. of this alone. Yeah, yeah. We, there's, like, there's whole I, segments coming I, I've out. I've got, I've got too many questions in my head almost <laughs> to, try and, to try and narrow down where we're at mate look i'd love to have you out into the refinery man you know what i mean next Done. time next time come out to come out to me and you can we can sit down in the refinery i feel this one's maybe coming to an end mate it, it, what is there anything else we want to cover off or look i think it's not coming to an end the first one's coming to the an first end. one's coming to an end uh, it's not goodbye it's yeah, see so, you later yeah exactly <laughs> it's not goodbye um yeah listen man i think there's so many things that we could we could dig into and discuss i think for people what I did want to say is that, yes, 99% of the answers you need are here, here, and here. Well, For people playing at home, that's uh, head, heart. <laughs> head, heart, and gut, basically. Yep. They are. However, what you do need outside of that, there's a couple of things. Number one is experiences. Right? Yes. I'm so glad that I came over here today. We've yep. made a connection. It's fucking awesome. We're going to get together again. I can tell that. Beautiful. We're, we're already going to do that, right? Not a problem. We need experience. Because okay? as you say, on your deathbed, you're not going to be counting your coins and you're not going to be wishing you work more. What you're going to be doing is cycling through the experiences that you have yeah. had, all right? And make the fucking most of them, you know? Yep. Like, you, you, you've got to get out there. We talk about um, passion projects, those sorts of things. And whilst, yes, the answers are within, you've got to be ready to hear them. And I think what I love about what you're doing with Black Dog Coaching is you've got to have tools in the toolkit, man. Right, it's all it is. It's, it's all just it tools. Is. It's just tools and toolkit, man. Yep. Like, we, and we've talked about this for years on the podcast, where it's basically, which is why I try and get as many blokes as I can on, because you might get sick of listening to my bullshit, and that's fine. I right? don't know. You've got a very soothing voice, <laughs> <laughs> right? But maybe your tools work, or maybe my tools work, or maybe Franco's tools work, or you know Dan's tools. Yeah, the, uh, the golf bag theory. You've yeah, heard, golf bag. You've heard, heard of the golf bag theory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most yeah. professional golfers have dozens and dozens and dozens of fucking clubs in their bag. Yeah. 
but they may only use one of those like once in their career, but it's there for when they need it. Exactly. They just have the right tools in the golf club yeah. to make the right shot when the right shot comes up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's really good analogy, yeah. man. I like that because it is just about toolkits. And, you know, you know, for those boys that, uh, you know, I know there's some guys that listen to this podcast that could benefit from your stuff um, because it's a practical approach. Doors always open, boys. Yeah, and and girls as well. And girls, yeah. We've got Black Dog Brotherhood and Black Dog Sisterhood. Yeah, man. And the, the one thing I tell everybody is that it's you're not alone. I thought I was alone. Mm. I thought I was the, only, does, I thought I was yeah. the only one who felt yeah, like that. Yeah, and, I didn't, yeah, and, and it was yeah. weak to talk about it. Number one, it's, it's not, not too, fucking... Too weak to speak. It's, it's Yeah, again, cliche, but it's true. Yeah. It's not weak to speak. A lot of the, cli- the... The thing about cliches, Neil, is that the ones that have stood the test of time, there's a fucking reason that they've stood the test of time. There's a reason we quote Marcus Aurelius from three and a half thousand years ago. Yeah. Because he knew what he was fucking talking He's about. mad dog. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? I think his nickname was Marcus Mad Dog. I'm pretty sure that's a scientific fact or a historical <laughs> fact. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't Google that. Don't Google that. <laughs> but yeah, man, look, it's it's been awesome to sit down and have a chat with you. Um, oh, again, it's like I've got so many things to say. It, it, what did you want to f- your first podcast, mate? What did you want to finish with? What do I want to finish with? If you are in that place. And like in the hole, in the hole. If you are in the hole, actually, remind me. Actually, you you, you like this, right? So we, the hole that we're talking about. Yep. Okay. This was an analogy that I came up with. I grew up rally driving cars on the dirt. In, yeah, right. In Central Victoria. Yeah. Right? Had a number of paddock bashes, all that sort of stuff. And it's like, okay, your path, the path you want to be on, is that you know the the the, the crystal line, the beautiful, the the best path, the best you, right? Yep. Imagine that is the, the, the most beautiful, wide dirt track, big sweepers, you know, beautiful track, and just you just want to go fast on it. Yep. What everyone needs to realize is that hole that you're about to talk about is right fucking next to that track. And it yeah. is the whole time. Yeah. And you can have one foot in, you can have one foot out. Yeah. You can have two feet in the hole, you have two feet on the track. It's all about how you drive the track. It's all about perception, man. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like that dude, yeah. you know, and... and because it's it's not like, you know, and I and I'm pretty sure you be you'll, you'll echo this. Anything that I've talked about today, I'm not fucking perfect at, and I'm no, sure you're not either. Not even close. Not even close. These are principles. These are tools that we talk about that we have used to help ourselves, and one percent better each day. That's it. Yeah, man. Mounts up over time. If you're one yeah. percent better each day for a year, you're three hundred and sixty-five percent better than you were the a year, year ago. Absolutely, man. Just one percent, one little piece, one piece of your emotion, one piece of your reaction, one piece of your diet, one piece of your training. Just one percent a day mm. is all it takes. Yeah, and it doesn't that's have it. to be. It doesn't have to be all at once. And you may make giant leaps, and you may make small gains. You know, one of the other mechanisms that we talked about is that well, you ought to be conscious when you make. Jointly. I know I just stole your last statement. We'll come back to it. Um, we're in the hole. Just don't the, forget that. We're in the yeah, hole. The hole. The hole. <laughs> when you, because you will make joint leaps, and I'm sure you've seen boys make joint leaps. Yeah, absolutely. But what I've found and what I've seen multiple times, and I'll, I'll tell you a quick story because I know Dan doesn't care. He went to <laughs> Vipassana, right? Yeah. Which is 10 days silence, silent retreat. Silent yep. retreat. And first five days, he thought someone was trying to poison him. It was in, it, it, we, we, we did a podcast <laughs> a little while ago. But he rebounded, man, like you wouldn't believe. Like he went, he had hired a room down in northern New South Wales to basically reset. 
and the rebound that he went through was a massive learning experience. He got like a bucket of KFC and a bottle of Jack Daniels and he just went completely <laughs> the opposite direction. <laughs> and it's like you've got to be aware of the rebound. Yeah. Right? And when you make these steps forward, it's about making sure your base is solid, right? We talk about, you know, we talk about base. Yeah, yeah. So when you make a step forward, and I think oh, some of the things you're talking about, reflective journaling, these tools that we're talking about, that would help solidify that base. Yes, so very much could, so. Because when you make the next jump forward, because what happens when you rebound is that you will go past. So, you know, so you jump to here and it's like, it's the rubber band theory is what yeah, we yeah, call yeah. it, right? Because you let go of the rubber band and just goes back that way. You back past <laughs> yeah, yeah. where you were to fucking start with yep. because of the rebound. Yep. But if you've got the rubber band around your finger, it's only going to go so far. Yeah. Right? The rebound is only going to go so far because you've solidified that base. Anchor points. Anchor points. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that was just a, a couple of things that I was thinking of, man. But we're in the hole. If you're we're in, in the hole, hole. We're in the hole. If you're in that hole. All right. So if you're in the hole, the first thing you need to realize is that nobody's coming to save you. Just throwing stuff on the floor. Just Sorry, Coming guys. to wreck the place. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in the hole, nobody's coming to save you. Yeah. And that's... People are like waiting for something to get better. Waiting They're for waiting. The lifesaver, yeah. Nobody's coming to help you. There's no magic pill. There's no fucking magic tickle feather or something that's going to fucking. <laughs> you're not just going to wake up and things are going to. Things are going to get worse. Yeah. Nobody's coming to save you. There's only one person who can actually help you. Yeah. And that's you. And it starts with getting very fucking uncomfortable <laughs> with your own problems. That's where it starts. And that's why people don't start because they don't want to get uncomfortable. You yeah. get uncomfortable. Facing Call yourself. me and I'll fucking help you get uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Facing yourself is ugly. Oh, it's one of the it's one of the hardest things, man, that you can you can ever actually do. You know, and, and I'd started to do it, and I had Franco as I say, mentor, a good mate of mine. Uh, better give him the ring, actually. Um, he goes to me because belief systems, right? Our belief systems rule our existence. Correct. And you know. Not only take away whatever other experience said. My name's Triffin, Neil. You ever heard that fucking name before? No, I haven't. No, no. no. and you never it's sick, will. It's a sick name, though. Yeah, I'll, I think. And now at thirty-eight, yeah, fucking oath, it's a sick. With name. a name like Triffin, you could be in a crowded pub, and a chick goes, "What's your name?" And you just go, "Triffin." And no matter what, she'd hear that. If it's not Jack or something, yeah. what? Yeah. what? Jack. My name's Jack. What? You yeah. go, you go, Triffin. Yeah, and and they go, oh. Well, there's there's two there's two reactions to my name, Neil. Either people call me Trevor, Travis, Stuart, Jed, fucking Bob. Ted, mate, right? mate, no hey, one mate. remembers or people remember. And that's a perception thing too. I can make that work either way. But in the, I grew up in central Victoria. What do you think happened to a, a skinny kid called Triffin in central Victoria in the fucking 80s, mate? Mate, you're the, you the butt of all the jokes. I got the fucking piss beaten out of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like... Thanks, mum. Thanks, dad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, appreciate that. <laughs> uh and the thing is, and like I, these guys were cunts, mate. They wouldn't hit me in the face because that would show that they were actually beating me up. Ah, the old gut punches. Yeah. I grew up in Western Sydney, so I was, I was an obese teenager. So same thing. I, yeah. got, I got flogged for being fat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just got flogged for being weird. Yeah. Okay. Yep. No, that's fair <laughs> enough. Same thing. Yeah. So much common ground. Yeah, it is. Man. <laughs> and you know, so I had I had this twisted thing where about respect, right? Where it's it's like if um, to get respect, I had to give respect. Right, and I can, and you can see yep. how that would work, right? But Franco goes to me, "No, that's not true." And I'm like, "Fuck off! It's not true." Right, right, right. He's like, "Don't challenge my perceptions." Yeah. What, what are you getting angry for, man? I'm like, "Fuck! Why? Why am I getting angry?" 
And he goes to me, do you respect yourself? Ooh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh. Like, fuck. Fuck. <laughs> no, I don't. No. Oh, fuck. I actually, I can resonate with that. Yeah. I, I remember a very distinct moment where I realized that I hated myself. Yeah. When I was like really in the depth of my yeah. fucking depression. It was, yeah. it was at the point where I was starting to realize that I had yeah. a problem because prior to that, everything was everybody else's. Oh, everything, everything was, was everybody, everybody else's fault. It everything wasn't my was fault. awesome and it's, no, I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I wasn't that it was awesome. It was just that everybody and everything Every, was shit but me. Exactly. How, no, you were but awesome. I was Everyone awesome. else was yeah. fucked. And yeah. I, made sure every, I made sure that I let everybody know how awesome I was too. So yeah. if you talk to people who knew me 10 years ago, they're like, he was the most arrogant piece of shit. Yeah. And they were right, but... What I know now is that it was a mask for the fact uh, that I fucking hated myself yeah. and that I had zero right. self-worth, zero. Yeah. And again, I didn't know why I had zero mm-hmm. self-worth or zero self-esteem. But mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, I find out that I was sexually assaulted as a child. Yeah, Pieces start to fall together. Yeah. So little things in my life where I failed became big things because I'm like, see, you're fucking worthless. What did yeah. I tell you? You couldn't it's, fucking do it anyway. Yeah, you you're shit. Can't. You're yeah. shit. And, yeah. you know, so I completely get that moment of mm. realizing that you have no respect for it's, Again, no. there's that truth assessment we we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, man. Fuck no it. respect. And it's like, oh, Ugly. shit. And then he goes to me, well, you understand that you know the only person you need respect from is, hey. And I said, me? He goes, yeah. But it's deeper than that, Neil. You don't need respect from your partner, from your kids, from your mum, from your dad, from fucking anybody. If you don't have respect for yourself, what's the fucking point? That's what I said. I could go live in a cave quite happily now because yeah. I've, I've found that self-respect yeah, 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 for you myself. Have that. And do you know what was weird is that, and it's how it intrinsically affects your existence, is that I was dressing a certain way. I was acting a certain way. I was doing things a certain way because of all of this. And... Um, the way Franco says it, and you 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 love Franco. He's he's like our Zen master. Right? Yeah, he's a trippy dude, but totally cool. He's like belief systems like a wall. Like yeah, like your brick wall out there, right? Yeah, you know that there's a keystone in that wall, don't you? Basically, you pull one. There's a, there's a stone in your brick wall. It sounds a lot like shadows and projections. Yeah, very similar, right? Yeah. You pull that fucking stone out, and the whole fucking lot comes down. Yep. For me, respect was that. Yep. I literally woke up the next day. I dress different. I talk different. I was different. In fact, I'm pretty sure I started the podcast within a month or two of that revelation. Yeah, you know? right. Um, and what I wanted to finish with, because and what I wanted to bring up again, we're just going to keep talking. This will go forever. <laughs> There's 25 hours on the on the on the machine. We'll be right. No, um, what I wanted to finish with, and I'm interested to get your opinion on this, is that once you face the shadow path, right? You know, and uh, actually, you might like this. So I got demons, man. Yep. I got a lot of demons, right? Well, actually, I don't have as many as I did. I was very fucking angry for a very, very long time. I can relate. Not angry. I'm not angry anymore. It's actually it's it's such a fascinating existence to be a part of because I'm not angry anymore. I get frustrated. I get exasperated. But it goes away like that. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not angry anymore. I've got a. I'm on my third punching bag in my gym. Yep. And I literally punch my way through three punching bags. Yep. And how I, um, the, the demon in my head, how I dealt with him is like, okay, you've got to give him a hug. He needs a hug. That's what most demons need. That's what most bullies need too, pers- just, just for the record. And what I did is, okay, man, I know you exist. I know you exist. You're there. It's okay. This is actually there. uncanny where you're going with this, but uh, keep going. Okay. It's okay that you're there, right? But I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you, brother. Number one, I'm going to give you a hug because it's okay, man. 
We exist. We coexist together. Right? And number two, everyone says, and there's, there's so many books, oh, cage your demons, put them in their fucking cage. No. What happens when you cage a demon? Is that going to help it? It's not going to fucking help it. It's going to make it go nuts. So I'm a bit of a visual person. So my demon still lives in my head. But he's got a pad, man. It's not unlike this pad. It's got a kitchen. It's got fucking TV. It's got Xbox. You know, it's got a sauna. He's got a gym. He's fucking sweet, man. He's happy, right? Yep. But if I'm on a 30-kilometer ride and it sucks more than usual. You let the demon do the riding for you? Yeah, I do. Holy fucking shit, man. (laughs) I have an entire chapter in my book. So I have what I call my shadow. Yeah. So... I've had a shadow for as long as I can remember. It's yeah. it's not Everybody another it's not a, it's not another personality. I'm no, not no. fucking schizo or anything like that. But I have a shadow Everybody in my does. head, Everybody and for does. a long time I would talk with it. And when I was struggling with stuff in the military, when I was struggling with self worth issues, my shadow would drive. Yes, and it's almost like another part of my personality takes yeah. over. And yeah. then for a long time, the shadow was driving pretty much full time. Yeah, it's a problem. Now, the reason this is uncanny is I was talking before about the repressed memories of my childhood sexual abuse. So. One of the things I was working on with my shrink earlier this year was this shadow. Mm. And I'm like, I don't want it anymore. I don't need it, okay? It served a purpose while I was in the army. It helped me with some fucking times when I needed it, but I don't want that anymore and I don't need him. So we're doing a a type of therapy called EMDR. um, And it's basically, there's a lot of visualization that's involved in it and trying to talk with this shadow, right? So I've got my eyes closed and I'm doing the therapy and I'm talking with this shadow, right? And I'm having a conversation and it's fucking answering me, right? Yeah. And, you know, I'm like... The fuck, you know, what's your problem? Why are you here? And it, it basically told me, you're not ready. I'm like, fucking not ready for what? Mm. So I'd been trying to get rid of this shadow. I'd been you trying to fucking get rid of it, it right? Of it. And I was driving home that night. And I'm actually getting goosebumps just remembering it. So I was driving home from that uh, psych session. Mm. And this little shadow in the back of my head said, Radio cunt, you want it, you got it. Download. Repressed memories. Yeah. The shadow had been protecting me from those memories mm-hmm. for... 30 years, whatever it is, yeah, 20 yeah. years. Yeah, so it's all my life, <clears throat> every time I felt low self-worth, mm-hmm. shadow would drive. Yeah, me. Uh, every yeah, every time every time I was struggling about. physically with like, when I did special forces selection, shadow would drive. Mm. When I would argue with my ex-wife, shadow would drive. And mm-hmm. then eventually shadow took over and I didn't give a fuck. And that's yeah. when I became a really horrible fucking person. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to get rid of the shadow and the harder I tried to get rid of the shadow, the further into the hole I went. Mm-hmm. You because can't my shadow was, you pre- are. It yeah. was protecting me because I wasn't ready. Imagine if that memory had come up two, three years ago while I was already in the hole. Ooh. That would have been game over. Yeah, yeah that would have been, you over the edge. That would have been game over. So my shadow was protecting me the whole time. Mm. Shadow's still there. Yep. But we don't talk anymore. Every once in a while, it'll pop up. Mm. Every once in a while, I'll get more information on what happened yep. uh, as a child. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I, a lot of it's, again, a lot of it's unclear. I, I know another child that was involved. I know his name. I know the perpetrator's name, but I can't see his face. Mm-hmm. It's just little bits and pieces, and it's like looking through a glass of water that's got mud in it. I can mm. see bits and pieces, but not the whole thing. But mm. when you're talking about your demon, it's fucking uncanny, man, because you know, it's in my book that I've spent my whole life battling, a, I call it a shadow, mm. and the whole time the fucking thing was there to protect me. Yeah, they are, it is. And every, the thing is, we go back to energy. We go back to yin-yang. We go back to positive Ka- negative. Carl Jung's all over it when he talks about shadow personality yeah. and shadow work and that. Absolutely, amazing. Man. You can't, you know, and the thing is, that demon, and especially with like, and it was interesting that I talk about the coronavirus and the COVID stuff, it's like, oh, okay, I looked at it, it's like, okay, this, if this plays out, shit could really hit the fan 
like big time. When it first started, we didn't yeah. know it was all fucking bullshit. But um, when it really, I thought, okay, because I'd spent years of my life trying not to be angry anymore. Yep. Right? And you being a soldier, you actually have a literal understanding of this. It's okay. Yeah. What, if it come down to it, could I do whatever needed to be done to protect my family? Easy. And Easy. See, I'd spent years trying to repress that, right? And I actually had to bring the demon back in and actually... Because to, to that point... Recon- reconciliation. Yeah. Well, it's to a that, part of who you are. To, to that point, it was just basically, okay, you know, I'd walk past the bag in the shed, I'd give it a left jab, and then 10 minutes later, I'd, I can't move my arms because I'd just fucking let loose on the bag. Yeah. Right? The demon needed to come out and let itself go, right? Yep. Because I, I found through that is experiencing anger at an inanimate object reduced my anger towards everything else. Yep. Because I took it out on something that, you know, well, if anything, it, you know, everyone's been hit by a punching bag at some point. Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you hit that that way, it's going to come back this yeah, way. Yeah. But, and actually brought him back into the play. Like, okay, listen, man, I don't know what's happening. Some shit could go real fucking pear-shaped here. Are we cool? I said, yeah, we're cool, man. Yeah, it's all good. We're good. If we need to get it done, we'll get it done. But I'm good. Okay, every, cool. every every man has the capability to take life in the right circumstance. Yeah, yeah, Even yeah. the pacifist who says they never would, mm. you put him in the right circumstance, everybody can take life if they have to. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a no. right thing. I'm saying it's a thing. It's a thing. It's, it's a thing. thing. It, it is a thing. And I... I and a, he, so I'd kill a human before I'd kill a dog. I like dogs. <laughs> Humans I could kill pretty easily, but not dogs. Yeah, animals don't really need it, man. You yeah. Know? <laughs> unless, unless they're edible animals. I think Mel Gibson said it in like Lethal Weapon 3. He's like, people are fine. I can kill people, just not dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can't, can't kill dogs. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah. Think about... So, the two things I want to finish with was think about your demon, and I'll throw it back to you. The other one is, and something that I've been struggling with for a while that I, I continue to work on, is... Um, so, through my work... I have been nominated for Queensland Trainer of the Year. Yeah, boy. Right? And there would be a time where I wouldn't have even been able to tell you that. Because as much as I fucking hate everything... The thing is, is that we'll, I'll drive home and I go, fuck, I should have asked this, I should have asked that, that's not the right question, is it going to sound any good, you know what I mean? I will self-critically self-analyse to the point of almost distraction, right? Yep. What I think, as part of the path is especially for men is that it's okay to love yourself and not in the way we were talking about before we turned the mic (laughs) (laughs) right but it's beyond okay i think it's a necessity yeah and i think it whilst yes you are right uncomfortable blah 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 you have to get uncomfortable you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable i think the Mm. value in that is so fucking astronomical it's it's you can't even measure it yep yet somewhere along the way you have to be able to acknowledge your achievements, acknowledge your... Honor your journey. Honor your journey and and, and show some self-love. Because yeah. at the end of the fucking day, love is the answer, man, right? Cliche once Cliche again. Cliche again, Cliche, right? Cliche once again, but... Love it's, is the fucking it's... answer, man. And it's not the, the sex sells love bullshit that we've been sold for so long. It is the, uh, the love that you had for your boys behind the fucking lines. Right. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. 
where you weren't fighting for the Australian government, you were fighting for each other. Oh, fuck them. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> it's the love that I'm sure you see. It's the brotherhood. The brotherhood. The yeah. black dog brotherhood, man. I'm yeah. sure it's the All love. brotherhoods. Yeah, yeah, all brotherhoods. And we've lost sight of that. Yep. But as part of that, if we're to re-embrace that, and it doesn't have got nothing to fucking do with colour, creed, religion, sex, it's got nothing to fucking do with any of that. No. Right? And it's about sisters as well. It's, it's human. It's human connection that we've human lost. Human connection that we've lost. But again, within starts all within. Can you, and I'm interested to hear where you're at with that man, as far as like self appreciation and and self love, because the, and self worth, I suppose. You Took know. me a long time. Took yeah. me a very even when I first started Black Dog, I was still struggling with it. Mm. Um, it's probably been in the last. You know what's really helped me with my self worth is seeing people get results in the program that I've created. Yeah. That more than anything else, seeing that I've been able to create something mm. that works mm -hmm. and that I've been able to create something that to drag people out of a place that I was familiar with. Mm -hmm. That there is, that was the point where I started to develop self-worth and self-respect. Because you and could see what you were doing was having effect on yeah. other people. And it's not about me. It's not like, oh, wow, I created a program. No, it's no, not about no, that. It's, a, it's, no. it's the fact that I can see people who were hurting mm -hmm. who are now thriving. Mm -hmm. And that I'm even fucking getting mm -hmm. goosebumps mm -hmm. just fucking mm -hmm. talking about that for me there's there's nothing that can replace that mm -hmm. nothing left black dog's going to go forever and it's going to be huge it's it's already international now we've just started uh you know entering the new zealand market next mm -hmm. steps usa mm -hmm. and for me oh listen some of my some of my usa boys we've got hundreds of them when i when i when i look into in the future so my my vision for black dog is that black dog coaching is synonymous with mental health. You go to any psychologist or psychiatrist and they go, we can help you with this 10%. Mm. For the rest, Don't plug in with them. And vice versa, when people come to me and they come for us for a program and I go, are you talking to a mental health professional? And they go, no. I go, what's your postcode or your zip code? Yeah. Sweet. Can, and I've got a I Rolodex. Can, I can plug you into I've got a Rolodex yeah. of psychs everywhere who yeah. are keen to be a part of what we do and I can just go, sweet, plug in with this person here, tell mm. them that Neil from Black Dog sent you. Yeah. That's my vision. Mm. International Black dog coaching synonymous with mental health, mm. working in conjunction with mental health professionals to create that 100% of the pie chart. Mm. And it's going to fucking happen. It's, it's happening now and it's going to happen. Yeah, and for, for me, it's not about making a big company. It's not about having my face on the TV or anything fucking like that. I'm no. past all of that shit, that yeah. ego shit. Uh -huh. For me, it's about the people that I can reach and the lives that we can actually change because there's nothing, nothing can replace that. Mm. Well, mate, I, I can't think of a better way to end it, man. I think... You know, good luck on your journey, mate. And you're always welcome on Unlocking the Code and to whatever we can do. Or, this is going to be regular, dude. I've had a really good time today. Yeah, me too, man. And look, as I say, like I've said to a few other people, if you want me to come and have a chat to some of your boys or any of that sort of stuff to share my story, I'm more than happy to do that. Next retreat on the Gold Coast, mate. Guest speaker. Got a spot for you. All right, cool, man. Let, let, let's tee it up, man. Let's yeah. tee it up. Because I think it, it's not, as I said, my you. I want to be a professional podcaster and go down my rabbit holes no no right? you don't want to be you are bro yeah i am okay you are. fair enough hey? fair enough yeah you yeah. Are. yeah yeah fair enough and see there you go there's that self-worth thing hey and that's the things that still tick over in my mind you're fucking, you, you're fucking welcome mate yeah thanks <laughs> yeah. Do, do i get charged for that one yeah, yeah, leave, leave, leave your money on the fridge <laughs> <laughs> well thanks very much mate thank you brother that was an awkward handshake. <laughs> Good on you guys. Look, thanks very much. Look, check out uh, Black Dog Coaching, uh, Black Dog Brotherhood Facebook. You, Neil does some awesome work. Really appreciate your time, man. No worries. Uh, www.blackdogcoaching forward slash information. Yeah, and look, we'll put all the links, mate. I'll get you to give me all the links and we'll put them in the show notes. Love your work, brother. Good on you guys. Thanks very much. We'll talk soon. Cheers.
fear.